episode 25, Trost Claire's backstory, why China, advice, first solo show, and co-host Jing Jing, and we get to hear your normal host, Dr. Justin Trost Claire's perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trost Claire, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. All the show notes can be found at adoctorsperspective.net slash 25. Stay tuned for the end of the show for the travel tip. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Everybody, good evening. So we're live. We're going to do something special for you today. So what we're going to do, since it's Women's Spotlight Month and it's going to be my first solo episode, I said, okay, let's have a co-host. And who better than my wife, JJ? Hello, everyone. I'm going to interview my husband. And uh, I know him so well, but I still going to ask him questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. So we're excited. Uh, we've never done that. We're doing this live on Facebook. And then, of course, we'll have outtakes and behind the scenes of obviously why we're doing it right now. And then there'll be times where I'll probably be like, hey, JJ, ask this question. <laughs> and then, so she'll ask and then Don't I'll laugh do at me. <laughs> <laughs> and what we'll end up doing is editing it for the real episode, episode 25, coming out in about two weeks. So. And also, uh, please forgive forgive me about my pronunciation. I kind of have like a um, Asian accent. Plus, I'm in China. I still talk. I'm, uh, Justin is the only person I'm speaking English with. <laughs> so there might be, I may understand a little bit more than the next person, uh, which is okay. Or I may have like an Asian Cajun, like accent. Asian Cajun, y'all. That's what we like to call it. Why don't we get started? Okay, and uh, you know, like so many jobs, choices, and why you became a chiropractor. When I was in high school, I was starting to get headaches, and my mom was going for a frozen shoulder. And so we were just going to this guy, and it was helping. And then I went to college, started getting headaches again. So I found a new guy, and I started looking around his office, and I said, wow, you know, the potential, there's a lot of potential here to make money. Yep. We already know it works. Yep. So headaches work. We know it works for low back pain. I was seeing the results uh, from different people. And, uh, you, know, you, you know, you go to be a doctor, you expect to make a certain living. And so I was like, can this happen? Can it work? I was like, okay, what does it take to be a chiropractor? And so I went online, and I started searching, making some phone calls. I was already pre-med. I was actually going to be an eye doctor. Uh, at one point, I wanted to be a dentist, and I was like, "That I don't really want to do that." You know, you got to smell a lot of bad breath, and and uh, for other reasons. So I was like, "Let me let me be an eye doctor." And they had said, "You know, you can major in anything you want. All you got to do is get your pre med, and you'll be able to uh, to apply." Mm-hmm. So did the same thing. I contacted chiropractic colleges, figured out where to go, and uh, I just really liked that the idea of you can help people without drugs, without surgery, in more natural way. Yeah, it's a more natural way. And what else was great was they always had some sort of like Christian plaque on the wall. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool that, you know, they could be, they can integrate both and they're not pretending to be God. They're still giving credit where credit's due. I know some people don't believe in God and all that kind of stuff, but that's fine. It's your choice. Um, but that, that, that definitely played into like the idea of like, oh, that's kind of cool. And, you know, a lot of chiropractors like innate intelligence, you know, the body, the, the power that made the body heals the body. They say that kind of stuff. And it just kind of, to me, it's like, it's like homeostasis. Right. Like uh, when you mentioned something about um, you prefer some kind of uh, natural way to treat the patient without like a surgery and everything. But, you know, lots of hospitals, they 
we prefer doing the surgery for the patients and uh, how you can um, identify this patient need a surgery or they can do the adjustment first. Yeah, uh, that's getting a little ahead of ourselves as far as what we're going to talk about. But to answer that question, most clients don't really need to have surgery. Most of them don't have to have it. In fact, the injections aren't necessarily that necessary as well. Even opioids, you know, just study just came out that said uh, opioids kill like 33,000 people a year. I want to say something like that. And so that's a lot of deaths. And the FDA is saying, hey, you should go see a chiropractor or maybe an acupuncturist first. That's why I think chiropractic should just be in every hospital, not just the, uh, the veterans hospitals, but it could, it's an integral part because, you know, the first they can act as a go-between. You see the chiropractor and then they direct you where you want to go. Or they went to the orthopedic surgeon. They went to the neurosurgeon. They've already done the MRI. They've already done the workup. They're like, look, you're not really a candidate for surgery. Okay, well, now what do I do? Well, you can go to chiropractic along with physical therapy and you should see results, right? right. And there's mm-hmm. studies out there that people who've, uh, you know, have had back surgeries or have had, you know, missed work for a while. Mm-hmm. Most of those people don't go back to work. A lot of them don't go back to work. I got like 80% or something crazy. But I wanted to say, I want to say it was like two thirds see relief and are able to go back to work. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of butchering it a little bit, so don't quote me on those stats. But it was pretty impressive to where a third of the people were only were, were had to stay home or less. And we're talking savings of tons of money on mm-hmm. the government. Uh, they're able to actually, you know, produce. Right. So there's lots of benefits uh, to having a chiropractor on your healthcare team, and that's the key: healthcare team. Because there's always a time for surgery. You know, you don't get better. You keep you're not getting better. Things get worse. Uh, you have say rapid paralysis or something like that. Where, you know, maybe that's a better choice. You know, we need to go see that, that specialist before coming to see us. But we can see those things. We do tests. We do orthopedic tests. We do neurologic tests. We might take an x-ray. And we're going to find out what is going on. Right. You know, so we're not just adjusting blindly and we're taught to adjust correctly. So it's not so hard. There's instruments, which is I'm double certified in that. And I like those a lot. So for those people that are nervous about getting adjusted, you can just click them. Right. And the research is there to show that it actually does the exact same thing. And that's the key is results. And that gets you results. That's cool. And uh, where did you go for like a chiropractic? I went to Texas Chiropractic out in outside of Houston, Texas. Really good experience. We joke we used to call that area Stinkadina because it's called Pasadena. But when it would rain, it all like the smog and like the, the, all the oil companies and things. Mm-hmm. I felt like they dumped all their their stink in the air when it would <laughs> rain, so it really would smell bad. So as long as we just make fun of it, just call it Stinkadina. But a uh, great great school. They call us metapractors. So if you're a straight chiropractor, that means you just adjust. You don't really care about the, you know, really the medical profession so much. You don't care about rehab. I'm sure like they care, but they're like, I'm not going to do it. You know, there's other people that can do it. Go to a different chiropractor. You can go to a physical therapist. But for me, what we're trained in, boom, it's the adjustment. Get delivered the adjustment. That's what's going to turn on the life force, if you want to call it that, or just get you better. You know, I don't think of it as life force. I think of it as you get in a joint. You know, there's lots of different things, but you're getting the joint moving. Mm-hmm. That shuts off and activates lots of different nerves, mechanoreceptors, pain, pain, pain fibers, all these different things. And that's actually what occurs. But you can call it what you want. You know, the body, if you cut your finger, it's going right. to heal itself. No matter if you take penicillin or anything else, it's going to heal when it heals. The cells are going to regenerate on their own. They fix themselves on their own. Just like if you cut the nerve, you just don't feel it anymore. You can't move anymore. You're paralyzed. And there's nothing you can do about it at that point, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you could heal that nerve, it heals a lot slower, you know, when you get that tingly feeling, mm-hmm. but it, it does heal. You know, it goes away once you, you know, not really take the pressure off the nerve, but it's an easy way to explain it to a patient so that they understand. Because if you go too deep, they're not really going to get it usually. Right. But as far as, you know, between, you know, me and the next doctor, we know that it stimulates a lot of receptors. 
it turns some off, it turns some on, and uh, it just kind of balances everything out. And then once the joint moves, it's a happy joint, right? Right. It's got a lot of spinal tracks that it works on. Like from uh, so many colleges, and you know, why you choose this one? Oh, uh, partly because it was a metapractor. So that was the, I uh, kind of lost my train of thought on that when I went on a tangent. They, we care about the rehab. We care about the diagnosis and all those types of things. So that way, when you, when you leave school, you know, and it's, and it's not nationwide. In every chiropractic college, if you're a chiropractor, you've had to pass boards with all these types of things on it. So there's not a um, school that's around that you can't get by with this, right? Right. But uh, that's one reason why I liked it. And it was not too far, you know, it wasn't too mm-hmm. far from home, to be quite right. honest. Okay. But that's not really the reason. It's actually not as expensive as some of the other ones. Right. Just mm-hmm. another perk. So when you start checking off all the boxes, all of a sudden you're like, hmm, these are all playing out in, into my favor of what I like. So that, that's, uh, that's what I thought. Why do you go to Colorado? Like it's a great question because that was my first clinic was Colorado. Cool. So here's the here's the lowdown. When I was getting out of school, I was a uh, I was married and I had a job actually in Baton Rouge. And I said, okay, we uh, we both had experience in Colorado. We really enjoyed it, and so we said, okay, we can go back to Baton Rouge. Great job. Potentially, that could turn into a second clinic. Have another clinic there. Kind of be co-owners and have a good life, right? Mm-hmm. And then just go visit Colorado. Or you can do the opposite. And I was talking to a management company, help us with like the business stuff. How do you train? How do you how do you go about marketing? What should you use? There's all those kind of questions that we just don't know as a doctor. And that's how you succeed in practice. And I knew I kind of wanted to do my own. We said, let's go to Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, and you start making pro and con lists. What, what's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? Well, I was like, what's the worst that can happen is you fail, right? Yeah. Can you go to jail if you fail? No. You're bankrupt. So you can't buy a house. You can have a rough seven years. But like that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, it's the worst case scenario. Everything like you have to think about this, like the worst and the best. Then you have you have the management company, and they're there to guide you. And so we found a clinic that we could purchase, and uh, it was a failing clinic. So we got in there. And I'm gonna just start using I. So I was in there, and the first day uh, I had a orientation with the doc who was owning it, and then that was a Friday. And Monday, he was gone. He never came back. <laughs> And so I was 25 in a new clinic with a staff person, Debbie, amazing. But she um, she was just as lost as I was. So what do you want to do? How do you want to proceed? From like a just graduate from like a university, like how did you learn and try to start a new clinic? That was the management company part. You know, they really do help you with how to market, what to do, how to train your staff, how to run your systems and, and how to do insurance. How do you build it? How do you follow up? How do you do all of these things? So I highly recommend a, a coaching program for like new grads. Right. Uh, even a, even an old grad, if they're, if they're five years out and they're struggling, you, maybe it's time to buy a coach. There's lots of different coaches out there. I think you got to do your due diligence. Are they a coach from the 80s? Mm-hmm. Are, are they actually still practicing? Did they quit in the last five or 10 years to just go full-time coaching? Does the philosophy, are you going to do year-long plans? Do you do pain relief? Do you do somewhere in the middle? Cash plans versus insurance-based. So there's lots of different styles. Whatever, whatever niche that you kind of like, you know, you can find somebody. So I started the clinic. Struggled for a while. Made some bad advertising choices. Like uh, I did a video. Mm-hmm. Recorded these videos, which are on the website drjustintroskler.com. But they're still good. You know, they're still va- valuable. Right. Uh, I was very nervous, and the person who was doing the interview had a, um, a sore throat. I was like, dang. So I was like, okay, I can still use it. I lost a lot of money. It didn't really work. Advertising on TV is actually quite expensive. Yeah. And when you don't have the budget to do it, it dries up quick. And I was actually getting patients for other doctors who did spinal decompression and different things. You know, did a lot of things in marketing. B&I, mm-hmm. amazing, you know, different business owners of different styles get together every week. You have coffee or breakfast and you, you become the referral machine for each other. 
You know, if you have a plumber and an electrician, well, maybe you'll see them. But when they're hanging around with their circle of influence, if they find someone that's, oh, hey, you know, you got hurt. Oh, cool. You got headaches, you got back pain, you got a, you hurt your knee, you know, whatever. This chiropractor in my group, you should go see him. Okay, so it works. Of course, you got the networking groups with the, the chamber. You got uh, sending reports to your doctor. You know, every time a patient came in, I'd get their permission and I would send a report to the doctor saying, hey, this person came in. Here's what's wrong with them. Here's a diagnosis code. This is what we're going to do to treat them. Eventually, you can like bring the doctors lunch or like meet them because, hey, we have these shared business, you know, with these shared patients together. Right. Uh, you know, one thing I didn't do was like a follow up. I mean, that would have been nice, you know, following up like, hey, this is actually how they would progress through care, you know. So learning, you know, as you go to create that. So just, you know, creating an Excel spreadsheet for that and just going out there and meeting people, you know, whether it's through church or through, uh, you know, if you're a CrossFit or you're at the gym, you know, how, always having a couple of business cards with you, not being afraid to give it to somebody as long as you're not, you know, really weird about it, I would think. Um, just always, you know, doing health fairs. And I wasn't great at health fairs, you know, but I would get out there and, and try to educate. And I'm not a very high pressure person. You know, I'm like, hey, this is what's wrong with you. If you want to get treated, obviously you said you had headaches for three years. So obviously whatever you're doing is not working. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I like to say I'm, uh, I'm the home of the 21 point neck adjustment mm-hmm. uh, based on my two certifications and in instrument based adjustment. I, I just, the way I like to brand it, it really works well. For, for headaches and things. I learned some things like with the management company, there's better ways where you can do it. Like you can have the client try to uh, put 20 bucks down. You know, you want to hold an appointment, it's $20. If you come in, it's towards your case. If not, well, then you don't, uh, you don't get it back. Then it stops no shows. That's the problem. People make appointments and because they're nervous, they right. want to make you happy, but then they have no intention of ever showing up. Right. So that's one way you can fix that. And also, like, I think you have like a good pers- uh, personality and easygoing and humorous. It's easy to, you know, start a conversation with uh, with the people. So that's a good way to um, do the advertisement and uh, introduce yourself. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the time when I was in clinic, print advertising was still a thing. Like you could still print in like uh, niche magazines uh, for like your community. And I did that, which tied up a lot more money than I would have liked. But it kind of worked. So I just kept doing it. And Facebook wasn't what it is today, obviously in uh, 2008. So probably... Going into clinic again, that's definitely something I would focus on. A lot more Facebook ads. The mm-hmm. cost per conversion is so cheap uh, for any type of doctor. You just got to target it correctly. You don't have to do it yourself. Obviously, I like enjoying it. I'm, I'm doing classes right now to like learn all the nitty gritty between Google AdWords, Facebook ads. But I got free time here in, in uh, China. But you they got so many people out there that will do it for you. And you don't have to spend a ton of money if you do your due diligence. Like it shouldn't cost you a thousand dollars a month for somebody to run these ads. Right. So like, that's, that's what I would think. Like when you uh, work in your own clinic. Right. And uh, how you can convince the patients to uh, get on your schedule like or package. You know, like uh, right now, like uh, uh, most of the patients, this, they want to get better very soon, fast. So sometimes it's hard for them to commit to like maybe two weeks treatment plan or a month, even two months depends on their situation. Like how you, how you convince the patients understand the situation and also join the uh, package or. Well, we would more say educate, mm-hmm. right? That's where some of these management companies can help you if you don't really know how to explain what you do and like how do you quote justify 10 visits or five visits or even, you know, 20 visits or whatever, you know. I think part of it is you have to have confidence mm-hmm. and certainty 
in what you're doing. If when you're first out of school, it's kind of tough. You just have to guess a little bit. You're like, uh. <laughs> you don't have enough experience. Right. You're like, well, everybody told me this should take 10 visits or 20 visits. So that's what I'm going to recommend and see how it goes. Um, but then you start realizing after a while, like, okay, this is what's working. You know, it's, it's a clinical presentation. You know, if they have a disc bulge, if they're having numbness in the arm, I think you got to be honest with them. You know, you got to explain partially like with the chiropractic because it's a different paradigm, basic I guess basic philosophy, basic theory about like what you're doing so that they can understand like what, what's it about. And healing takes time. You know, you sprain your ankle. You know, you know, I like to use analogies. You sprain your ankle, didn't get better in a day. In fact, it probably took like four weeks before you really feel like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, I don't really feel it anymore. It's not black anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to let them know like, hey, you, you have a sprain. It's just in your neck, you know, or it's in your back. It's swollen in there, okay? It takes time. Now, in the next six visits or so, you should be at least halfway out of pain. And if you're not, we're going to reevaluate. So big thing is reevaluating. Like we will try something for six visits. The, the whatever you present with, this is what I expect to get you better. What it should work. And if you're not responding as I expect, all right, we got to get to the drawing board. And now some people do that in four visits with like, okay, well, I wasn't trying to do a lot of muscle work on you, but I guess I need to do some like myofascial release, kind of really get in there and break up some of this skit, the scar tissue or, you know, or something like that to get them to the next hump. And so it's personal preference versus based on like somewhat on your philosophy of like what you need. I'm kind of leaning more to the idea of is there a way to set up your clinic to where you can charge like a fee per month to where a sciatica in the leg might take two months. Okay. Well, the first month you're going to come in more because you're in a lot of pain. It takes more effort. Second month, you're probably not going to come in as much because I think one of the worst things for a doctor is if you are recommending, say, um, 12 visits. Mm-hmm. Well, visit 10, they're not really where you expect them to be. But you kind of told them 12. Now you got that sticky situation where the patient may be thinking, wait, you want me to come in for another two weeks? You know, and I need, I need 16 visits. I mean, do I need that or do you need that? You know, because now they're looking at, you know, their budget, their dollars and cents. But like, if you can set it up to where like, look, you're done, you know, you were in 10 visits, now you're done. Well, I thought it might be 12, but it actually took 15, but it doesn't really matter because you're already covered, you know, for the month. But you can't do unlimited plans because then you're like an insurance company and you can't do that. So it's a uh, kind of a tricky situation. I typically, I mean, I took insurance. That's typically how I did. I just, you need visits. I give them a range, probably take between 10 and 15 visits, explain what's wrong with them, and then taking them through the stages of care. Like we're going to do pain relief, then we're going to do some rehab, you know, rehabbing taking a while. If you've ever been to physical therapy, you know, it takes time to get things done, but teach them home exercises and things like that so that they can respond quicker, mm-hmm. right? And that way they can take care of themselves. So when they're done in my office, whether they get pain-free at six visits and decide that's all they want and they leave, or they sort of try to get some little more correction and learn these exercises better, either way, down the road, I want them to be able to do that themselves so that they can actually experience, like, if I do the exercises, I don't have these issues. Now, granted, you're going to lift up something. You're going to sit too long at a desk. You're going to start having those same issues kind of come pop up. You just come back in called maintenance or preventative care or you might be at once a month every three or four months you may decide like oh kind of feel goofy again let me go in get adjusted and i'm gonna feel good again and i better keep up with those exercises so that's you know that's not really how i explained all of it but just in general i think that's a good uh kind of a good starting point you know to let people kind of educate them i wouldn't say like that's a long that's a long answer that's kind of like the theory behind the way justin thinks a little bit for for those doctors who are struggling or just starting out what are practical steps to get where you are today in your business? Well, we kind of covered some of that. Definitely uh, get a coach mm-hmm. when you get out, I would say. When you're in school, you can probably look around and start a club, whether it's like they have some management companies that are in there. I want to say there's uh, probably some business organizations. I think every profession 
probably has some kind of coach, right? So maybe talk to them. Maybe there's like a discount rate. Maybe there's a student rate or a club. Or you could actually create your own club, find doctors in the area that are successful. They're in that mentor stage now. You know, there's like a stage where I'm just trying to survive those first two years, just trying to put food on my table, trying to figure it out yourself. Then you got like the status quo or you're growing, you know, and then you have that stage where you're successful and you may be thinking, maybe it's time to kind of give back a little, right? Try to find those. They're usually older. I had one in uh, my own school, uh, Dr. Lindsay. I don't even know if he's still alive or not, but he helped me with some SOT, with some pelvic blocks, some couple different things. He was a really good guy. He was crazy. He had like these parachute pants from like the 80s. So he definitely dressed kind of crazy, but he was, he was really good. And so you could find these mentors and invite them on campus. And maybe once a week or once a month, you can have after hours or at lunch break or something where y'all talk about it. They can prepare some practice management stuff. Here's how you can advertise. Here's how you do insurance or here's how you can communicate better with your clients. You know, if you're selling glasses, if you're selling braces, you know, people don't look at it selling or whatever, but there is a certain technique that you you need to use, you know, you want to use Invisalign, you want to use the regular braces, you know, I'm guessing there's probably like faster options and slower options, you know, there might be glasses with three or four different upgrades that you could use that you don't necessarily need, but if you can find it for the right person, it's a great fit, mm-hmm. but you've got to un- teach them why would you want it. I think that's, I think that'd be a great idea. Do that while you're in school because it's, you're already paying for your education. Get this type of education. That way, when you get out of school, you can just hit the ground running already. You know, other one would be, uh, and I didn't think of this one, Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, I don't know, not about Twitter, but those other two. If you know you're going to move somewhere, start following those people. Get involved with their social media. Get a following before you go. That way, when you're there, all of a sudden it's, oh, we're starting construction. Oh, we're building out. Hey, guys, grand opening. And when you go, boom, you're flooded with clients. Right? Smart. I mean, that's what I hope to do. That's what I would suggest. All right. Thank you. You were working in Colorado before. And uh, what made you... Uh, change coming to China. Okay. Well, here's kind of the story. I got divorced. I was in Colorado, got divorced. We're not have to go into it really, but when you kind of are making it, but kind of struggling and you got all these other kind of things, there's always these stresses in life, mm-hmm. right? A lot of lessons that I, I learned um, during that process of going through a divorce, having a clinic, and then being single again, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not easy. And you really got to do, I think there's two things you can do. You can either Dig deep into your soul and try to figure it out or put your, bury your head in the sand and just keep doing what you're doing. And so I did a, you know, did a lot of counseling and, you know, just, uh, I thought that was good. I wanted to explore myself, read a lot of books and then talk to somebody about it. And, uh, that was really beneficial. I don't really feel like there's a stigma. Um, now there is a stigma out there, but I don't really care. Like, I think if you got some issues, go talk to somebody, right? Insurance covers it usually too. So don't, don't give me this. Oh, I don't have enough money to go. Like, you can get it. In fact, I had insurance for a while and then I lost uh, I lost it. Uh, I didn't have the coverage for it anymore. So I just talked to her. I was like, hey, will you take the rate you were getting from the insurance company, which is less than the cash rate that you're asking me to pay? She's like, yeah, of course. I was like, okay, let's keep going. And she was she was fine with it. I was fine with it. You know, once a, once a month or once every other, I don't know, twice a month, whatever it was at the beginning, just make progress. So I guess I went more into it than I was kind of thinking. But I think it was really good. And then when you start dating again and you, you start to experience... You know, you have questions. You're like, all right, it's been a while since I've been in the game. What else? I think I'll put this out there too. Janine Lee, she has a book, um, Rebuilding After Divorce or, or uh, something like something like that. And the guy named Fisher, he also has a book about divorce. And it, it was really, this is for those people. Because look, let's, let's not pretend. How many times do you hear this guy's, well, guy or girl, they're, they're really successful. They're doing all these speaking engagements, man. They're, 
They got five clinics. They're making millions. And then they're like, oh, what was a hard time in your life? Well, my business started struggling when I was going through my divorce. And I, I don't really see my kids as much as I used to. And I, that's part of the reason why I made this podcast. And that's why I ask those questions at the end. Like, how do you keep the love alive? How do you have these relationships? And that's part of the reason is because so many doctors have divorced. Struggling. Right. Whether it's financial or... They couldn't find the balance between their job and the family. Right. This this class, this is why I'm plugging it. This is why I'm plugging the book because the, um, the Fisher book actually has like these groups that they get together. You meet for like 10 weeks. It's like 30 hours. It's, it's a group, right? Mm-hmm. And you just go through all the, the mess, the, the anger, the sadness, the... If you had kids, oh, I'm not going to see the kids. If you were like, oh, we're going to retire on the lake. Well, guess what? You're probably not going to retire on the lake with her anymore, right? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with it? How do you process all of that stuff? And I mean, it. if it takes you a year to get through a divorce, it, like, it has it in time. Not like we're playing like, okay, how do I have my time? But why not heal? Why not heal before you jump into a new relationship? You know how many people just get married within the first two years? You got the exact same woman with a different face, yeah. right? And they figure it out like three years into it. They're like, oh my gosh, because the rate of second divorce on the second marriage is even higher than the first one. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that happened. And uh, like I said, you know, I didn't blame anybody. You know, I take the responsibility for what I did. And, you know, hopefully, you know, she does the same, whatever. But uh, so I stayed in Colorado for a while and my family is not from Colorado. They're in still in Louisiana. Started feeling sad, you know, kind of like, oh, maybe I should, you know, move back home or be closer to family. So um, just kind of lost the drive to be maybe in Colorado. It was hard. Yeah. Like yeah. You were by yourself and uh, struggling with the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did so, you go to church? Like, uh, because that church, they also have done groups and uh, for counseling and everything. Uh, yeah, I was going to church. I never, I never stopped going. I had a, a snafu with one and moved over to a different one. I, uh, I didn't feel like I was being, I don't know, like supported well. Kind of, you need that kind of sometimes, you know, when you're going through a divorce, you're going through, uh, some hard times and, um, you know, if people don't come through for you, you know, you can get really burned out and stop going. A lot of people just quit. Like, I'm not going to give up on God. And I'm not really giving up on these people. I just need to find what I need right now. So I moved over and uh, flat irons. It's amazing. It's huge, actually. But the preaching is spot on. Uh, they're a little edgy. It was good. And then after about a year or so of that, kind of healed what I needed to be healed and started going back to that old that other church again. But I didn't go to the church itself. I went to the, the small groups. There's these little groups of people. You get together with, I don't know, it could be six people. It could be six families. Yeah. Right? I reconnected with them. And it was really good. And I kind of spent the rest of the time in that group and still going to that other church. It was really good to, to connect again. They knew the backstory. So it was definitely a healing time. It ended up healing. And that was good. It's kind of like redemption, right? So it was good. But I was tired of being in Colorado. And I was tired of not being able to take vacations. That's another reason why I asked those questions. Taking mandatory vacations in a, on national holidays. And you're trying to like, how do I get another week off? How do I do it? I learned you can take off like a Thursday through a Tuesday. You do half weeks, you know, practice. You know, that's the thing with being a business owner. Not only do you lose money in the sense of like the money you spend on vacation wherever you go, but you lose money in the clinic, not seeing clients and you still got bills to pay. Right. And then you lose the momentum that you built as well. So these are kind of excuses, but these are real. I think it's real. And again, a coach can help you with this. And that's why I like to get the advice from other people. So anyway, so I was looking for jobs and one of them was like a research job. And then I realized, oh, this chiropractic degree is not as strong as like a medical degree. So I can't do these things. It's like, dang. All right. Well, I could start over or I could work as an associate, but you know, pet peeve of mine in chiropractic are these doctors that want to hire and either they just don't have any business hiring. They don't, like, I don't know. They're just want less work, but they don't really want to pay. Or maybe they just look at it as 
I want to 5X my investment on each doctor I hire. I mean, that's fine. I mean, that's what you want to do. But not, I don't think it's that fine, actually. But what happens is you, you can do some simple math, taxes, student loans, a house. You're like, dude, how are you supposed to survive? Like, why does, why does the, our profession yeah. treat our new grads like chumps? Mm-hmm. Where in most professions, they, they still feel like they have this base competency. They get paid a, a fair wage and it just grows from there. So, yeah, you know, I was a little, a little bitter with that and just from stories that I've heard from other people. So I was like, yeah, I just don't know if I really want to be an associate unless I find a great opportunity, which at the time there wasn't um, mm-hmm. where I wanted to live and things like that. Anyway, so I started looking online and there's different websites. China came about. China is pretty cool because they don't have to make you take boards. They just accept your credentials. Uh, so it was, I was easy and they pay well. So I was like, okay. So I can get paid well, it's cheap to live, so I can save a good amount of money. So my goal was, okay, I'm going to go work here for a year, save up some more money. I sold the clinic, then combine those incomes, and then start a new clinic. And that way I'll have the, you know, maybe not have to get a loan. Plus you get to travel. That was another thing I wanted to do. An adventure. An adventure, learn a new culture. I figured there's a billion people here. Uh, if they can do it every day, surely I can make it. And if I can't, I literally could just leave. I could pack up in the middle of the weekend and just go. Yeah, plus they definitely going to give you, like, translator. Right. So they give a translator. Technically, they're there for you during work hours. But if you're nice to them and you're their buddies, they might want to hang out with you afterwards, which is great. Help you order food. I learned some Chinese. Obviously, like, you got to count. You got to do things. Uh, life's pretty tough if all you're doing is um, all 100% relying on your translator. It makes it hard. But it's fun. You know, you can learn a few words. They can laugh at you. Uh, you, you know, it's funny because you can still build rapport. So anyway, so I'm after like three months of going back and forth, making sure I wasn't going to like go to work camp or something for being a Christian or whatever. You know, I got a, I got a cross tattoo. So I was like, am I going to go to jail for that if I wear shorts? They're like, you watch too many movies. I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And he goes, no, you're fine. Like literally, you're going to be fine. I was like, okay, okay. And... um so I'm in this town. I'm like near Thailand. It's, I don't know, 95 to 105 every day. Super hot, obviously. But they got amazing fresh fruit. We got Walmart, not Walmart, <laughs> watermelons, dragon fruit, terramines, grapes. Sugar cane. Sugar cane. What else? Uh, lychee, waxberry, mangoes. Oh, yeah, mangoes. And it's yeah, Mango Festival mango this week. Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm working in a hospital. So I'll just kind of walk. Papaya, wa- I know you. Oh, papaya. <laughs> yeah, I do not like it. Uh, what is like working in a hospital? Actually, pretty good. Working in a hospital is is nice. There's lots of obviously integrative care. Working with the medical doctors, our little area also has the like the ER surgeon people. Not really ER, but minor surgeries. If you smash your finger, they sew it up. We do MRIs on everybody, pretty much. We get X-rays, but a lot of times it's uh, MRIs. So you get to start correlating. You this presentation comes in. You see in this. On the MRI, you're doing these treatments, boom, they get better. Okay, all right. You keep seeing that. And so you start to realize like, wow, chiropractic really works. And you see these crazy bulges, you see all these crazy things, and they're still getting better, and they're getting acupuncture, so it's integrated in a sense like they're getting a massage, they're getting acupuncture. Uh, we teach them some rehab stuff. Not a lot of rehab, but um, some basic stuff because a lot of the people we work with are like uh, farmers, which, you know, in America, farmers are, you know, it's not like a bad connotation, but here it just kind of means you probably went to like the fifth grade or the sixth grade and you don't have a lot of education and you work hard all day, right? They're not, they're not driving John Deere tractors, right? They're planting rice by each strain of yeah. grass. Plus they are living uh, in a mountain area. So they always climb stairs and mountains. Yeah. Their butt muscles are so big and strong from just 
up and down the hills, cutting mangoes, doing all this stuff. So it's all by hand is my point. Hand and tools. When they come in, they're usually a wreck, right? Their backs look, there's lots of arthritis, there's lots of stuff going on. They need to be co-managed. And that's what we do. And that's what makes me excited is getting that experience here that hopefully when I go back to America or wherever, they'll say, oh, wow, this guy, he's got three or four years of working in a hospital with uh, acupuncture, with all these other doctors, with uh, in, a con- in a strong unit. So hopefully that will give me that edge whenever you're trying to uh, find another job and uh, move back. I just I like the setting a lot. It's nice. Um, of course, we get time off. We get to travel. I've gone to... I don't know how many countries, Thailand, Myanmar, South Korea, Cambodia, Taiwan, New Zealand, New Zealand and Australia is coming up. And like, actually, by the time this comes, no, next month. Yeah, Hong Kong a good bit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so just getting to see a lot of the world. I'm going to have these cultural experiences that who else is going to have that? I mean, you need good. Like you, you kind of like a. Mixed uh, different cultures, and uh, you kind of really involve this culture and put yourself in this culture, so you respect it. And uh, and people, I think most of people like you. Go further. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Give us all an example. <laughs> like with like, the, like with the drinking and the tea culture, and like that type of thing. Uh, yeah, like a, Justin, like a, doesn't speak a lot of Chinese, and uh, every time if we have like a. A uh, big dinner, you know, and we eat with friends. Of course, like, we gotta speak all the Chinese and uh, he's the only person he cannot speak Chinese. And uh, we're gonna have patience, let him to talk some, but it's hard, you know, to translate all the time. So lots of time he's just by himself. Like, he's pretty much like entertainment and by himself and he will try to, um, pronounce some Chinese words in a, in a cute way so make everybody laugh and also he's really humorous and uh, he has lots of patience it's pretty good and plus uh when he treats the patients although it has a communication uh problem and i of course i'm gonna translate for the main thing so he always can understanding them put themselves put himself in their shoes and they really like him the way he jests and uh, pops some like uh, uh, jokes mm-hmm. yeah so it's pretty good yeah i think you know play on my phone read <laughs> go through some videos because he couldn't communicate and most of the time like i have to ask all of the questions it gets boring and, and they don't yeah. ask a lot of questions it's surprising how often they just don't even i don't know it, it sometimes it's it's about it, not bothers me, but it surprises me based on how I, I would respond. It seems like they would have more questions like, why'd you come? Or like, what's it like in America? Or all these different kind of questions, but they never really... Because most of them, like, some, uh, like uh, let's say some of them, they were like farmers and they don't have like, like all uh, education. So that's why like uh, it's hard for them to think about those questions, mm-hmm. right? They don't even know a lot about China, like how they're going to think about America. Well, I mean, even your friends sometimes. Oh, yeah. Also, they think the the language barrier and they feel like embarrassed to speak English. Why Actually, try? they can speak some. Yeah, it's hard for them to um, try to communicate with you. So, plus, most of Chinese people, they are shy. And it's only if uh, very close friends and uh, they're still going to ask from me, not directly from Justin. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you want to talk about your life and you lost uh, how many pounds since you uh, came back to China? No. Oh. Great segue. Chao <laughs> <laughs> Guashou. 
Okay. We have a lot of free time at work. Can you imagine? You know, we're, we're busy, but there's free time. So I choose to use it better than just surfing the internet all day. I wrote a book, Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health. I really actually, you know, I like it a lot. You know, the first half is a lot about chiropractic and what's pain and what are, quote, subluxations and how do you maybe help self-care with headaches, with low back pain, throw in some, uh, some core exercises, some different stretching ideas. Biggest thing I'm proud of, though, is, is the blueprints. It's the, the journey of exercise. You don't exercise, then you start exercising. And after five minutes, you're just exhausted and bored, typically, like at the gym on a treadmill. And they're saying, hey, that's okay. All right. Maybe a week later, you can do seven minutes. Right. And you just slowly step by step, step by step. And it's okay to me. I'm like, don't be guilty about it. Don't feel bad about it. You, you are where you are. Mm-hmm. So let's just go, start there and go, you know, or if you're a weekend Never warrior, too late to start. Yeah. Or if you're like a weekend warrior, you are where you are, but you know that you could probably do some rehab or do some things to be better at whatever you're doing and maybe slow it down and, and do it correctly. That's where I was probably um, seven years ago, just starting to really exercise. And that was kind of my journey, getting used to it doing weightlifting, trying to learn how to do that. And then actually I gained, I gained a lot of weight when I, when I sold my clinic, I did a six week around the country. I went and visit all my friends, stayed at their house for a few days, drove eight hours the next day. So I just was like, I'm on vacation. It's time to eat. Yeah, lots. Yeah. So I ended up gaining like an extra 10 pounds that I didn't really need to gain <laughs> and then move into China. I had this like security pouch with money in it, which apparently was enough money to cover me for a year and I didn't know better. But anyway, the pants were tight. They got tighter. The big belly, that's where I'll keep all my weight. It was uh, really, it was kind of uncomfortable. And uh, I remember just going through like security and having to whop out the, uh, the travel belt with all this cash. I was like, I sure hope that makes it through the x-ray processor. But um, coming to China, I was learning. I already knew what was my downfall. Cheese and bread. Pooh, I'll get fat. Fat in a hurry. And because every time I go back home for like a month, I just eat like I want and I'll, I'll gain like another, you know, gain 10 pounds back. And then I'm like, all right, I got to get back into my, my routine. But the point is, I learned how to and what to do. And I put that into the book. And a lot of it do with, with Chinese is like portion control. And yeah, we eat rice too much. I put my foot down. I will not eat rice pudding and porridge in the morning for breakfast. I got to no, I don't want rice three times a, a day. But um, you learn you learn proportion control. You learn like they don't need a lot of meat. You go to the store and you get a 12 ounce steak. My goodness, that probably feed a family for a week. Now, I like protein, so I'm going to eat the eggs. I'm going to eat the chicken and the pork and, and cook it Cajun, Cajun, Asian style. But anyways, the book just goes through all of that. So like you can definitely pick it up on Amazon or uh, Kindle or free ebook if you want a pdf copy ha plug but you know like i said i'm I'm proud of it it was a labor of love and i've got a you didn't ask but like a a no needle acupuncture book Mm -hmm. i'm in the pro i'm like in a beta stage right now trying to get people to use it i'm impressed about he he could even write like a chinese uh acupuncture book like he really uh went through all of the charts about all of the needle points and how to find it uh plus Protocols. Yeah, protocols and functions and every details like you could think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, so so I created like there's like thirty-six conditions and I know people are afraid of acupuncture needles. They don't want to get they don't want the needle. They may not even have anybody nearby. So I'm in the process of finishing that up and then recording some videos. And then uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Russell Brunson's work. So I got a, a whole plan on how to market that book so that it is uh, actually profitable, helps out a lot more people. So I'm excited about that. That's kind of a secret if people make it this far into the interview. 
Yeah, like because、uh, for most Americans, they're gonna be scared to step by the needle if they can、uh, buy those books, learn at home, and also use a special way they can do by themselves or their friends can do、uh, do for them. It's gonna be easy and it's cheaper too. Yeah, because、mm -hmm. that's the thing is it's kind of fun. You're learning it in the country that it was created in like two, three thousand years ago,、mm -hmm. so you get to experience. Like for them, I really couldn't write this book and sell it to Chinese people because it'd be like a weight loss book. I mean, I know the book that I wrote kind of has a weight loss component to it. Obviously, obviously, I'm drowning in a sea of weight loss books and paleo books and keto books and low carb books. There's so much stuff that's kind of what it is here with like Chinese acupuncture and meridians and acupressure and、right. herbs and all that kind of stuff. It's flooded. So I was trying to get her to translate it for me, and she's like, "Uh, you realize it's probably."、Mm, Not gonna、so、be a good idea. So many Chinese traditional like herb doctors, they know how to do the acupunctures, and it really works. Like because we are working this hospital, we see people getting better from stroke, and also especially for nerves like、uh, problem, they get better. Nerve? Ah,、uh, yeah, nerve. Oh,、yeah. okay. You see, from the guy、uh, from that selling the vegetables and the fruits,、uh -huh. that guy he's getting better from the acupuncture. Yeah. Yeah,、like、but it's like anything. Some people get better. Some people、mm -hmm. don't. According to your、uh, physical condition, and also according to how where you get the acupuncture, and, and like how long have you had the issue? How long are you willing to come to the to care as well? Yeah, the, the earlier you have problem to get treated, the earlier you can get better. But if you wait so long, it's gonna be a hard. Hey, how are you able to、uh, handle the life in China, like being lonely and、uh, not able to communicate with people? And、uh, how did you do? Luckily, obviously, you're there. You're, you're my wife, and you're really great at translating. And I learned to have more patience and things like that.、Uh, one thing I do have is WeChat, and my best friends on there, and my parents are on there. Really. I'm able to communicate with them every day. We send voice messages. You can call.、Uh, so me and him, we still talk. You know, usually every day, right? And my parents, you know, my mom, she is just kind of helps me to actually be here. She takes care of my American business.、Uh, you know, business that occurs in life. You know, oh, your、uh, car insurance is due. She'll write a check for me. So really, I don't think I could do that、uh, this job without without them.、Um, so I think you know. To come here, you kind of have to have someone willing to help you in certain areas of life, and I think you know I just can't. I can tell you, say thanks enough for them for doing that, and、uh, I make phone calls. I've, I've got Magic Jack, and so I'm able to make phone calls to my buddies and my colleagues, and just kind of have conversations with them. And they're really patient with the. You know, sometimes the delay is kind of bad, and if that's the case, I can just call them through the computer or whatever. But it's just really nice that they value their friendship. That's how I get my English fix. Or you know, we travel to the bigger city and go the westerny area and kind of hang out with some people there. I kind of get my fix of English through watching TV,、uh, chatting with her. Sometimes we'll have like a foreigner randomly in town, and so I get all excited about taking them to coffee or whatever. So that's you know, that's some of the the basics of what I do and how how I survive. And、uh, you know, each. Each foreigner is different on how they how they deal with it, but a lot of it has to do with maintaining communication、uh, back home. How like、uh, what make you think you can date with a Chinese girl instead of American girl? And、uh, you know, did you think about the language barrier and culture barrier, especially about two family? Actually, I moved back to America and I was working in an awesome、uh, rehab chiropractic clinic. The, the manager there was like, "Hey, you doing online dating? Yeah." I was like, "Yeah." She's like, you went to China, yeah, yeah. You like Chinese girls? I was like, yeah. 
She's like, okay, I got a, I got a single one. I was like, okay, hook me up. Let's go. Whatever. That's another one and done date if it's not good. So we went to a, a coffee shop. We were kind of, she had just gone to this, the Yunnan, which is where I'm at, like the few months before. So it was a nice bonding experience. She's so cute. I had a bald head too. So I don't even look the same. And I was fatter. <laughs> With a beard. <laughs> and a beard. Her dad thought I was uh, At that time, uh, the first time I sent my parents uh, our picture, my dad like, no, 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 you, can't, you, you couldn't, you, you can't find somebody who look older than me. <laughs> no, no, he's only like four years older than me. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like he didn't even change his mind until he finally met me. And he's like, oh, yeah, you do look like your young 30s. Oh, okay. So it's like, all right, dad. Um, but yeah, so that I didn't have an issue and... I think, you know, obviously being here for a year, learning the culture, like I know how to do the tea, I know how to do the drinking, I know how to do the the respect and kind of the game of how to flatter in, in their culture, how to... Uh, and like, you even know how to how, how to appreciate, you know, different way to put friends. Yeah, appreciate the friends. Uh-huh. Okay. Food, you know, learn... Yeah, you learn how to cook Chinese food. Right. That was a... Yeah, two times I... Uh, you know, when you're first dating, I uh, brought her these banana wrapped, banana leaf wrapped yeah. rice and rice. meat. Yeah. But you had to go, you know, Asian Cajun on it. I made like a jambalaya, stuck that in some banana leaves. You know, you got to wrap it up and then tie it together. And then you just uh, steam it or boil it for a while. And the, the flavor melts into it. So I made a couple dozen of those, brought it to her work, got it all. Oh. Watch out. Wooder. <laughs> Because since I, I I went to America, I never uh, cooked those type of dish because it kind of takes a lot of time to prepare. You have to buy the banana leaves and you have to uh, uh, try to mix different things to wrap inside. So I was impressed. Okay. <laughs> but we had a lot of conversations. Uh, you know, this is kind of the conversation if you want to have, you know, if you're thinking interracial, if you're thinking international, you got to have these conversations about what's normal. You know, there's assumptions that can be made. And obviously, you know, assumptions will get you in trouble. And so having these questions about family, kids, school, can you ever come back to my country? Um, Religion. Uh, Include like religions. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, like how you can communicate with my parents since my parents don't speak any, uh, don't speak any English. It's like I can communicate with your parents, but. Yes, I am failing at that, by the way. So it's a little disappointing that but, I still can't but speak before, it. But before our wedding, um, Justin like wrote like four pages of Chinese characters' letter. It's a handwriting. Like literally, like he was just imitate, uh, like drawing different characters. Because I, I have a drawing talent. Yeah, like my parents were kind of very touching. Yeah. He did good. And then uh, I learned... The vowels in Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so we had a very traditional Chinese wedding with the red and the red outfits. Uh, we had like flashing lights and everything. It was like a EDM concert to begin with. And then it turned into a wedding with all the traditional stuff. And my parents flew out and some other people and uh, just had a great time. And it was interesting because the, the, the family would take us to dinner. You know, when we look at it like, wow, that's just a hundred bucks for like to feed 10 people. Wow, that's really cheap. You're like, no, that was like, 35% of their salary on one meal, right? Really appreciate what they're doing. You know, the, the, the hospitality that they had was just top-notch. I mean, everybody was excited. 
Nobody was really like racist, which is nice. They really appreciate you. Uh, you guys fly from uh, very far, especially your parents, and uh, that uh, at their age, and they flew like from America to China. So yeah. So we, we look forward to them coming visit us at some point in America. Uh, anyway, with that, I think that's enough. Just learning, and I think another piece would be you didn't ask, but I know the question's coming. Do you have a home and a work life balance? How do you get to have both? To get a home work balance is really difficult. I think you have to make a strong effort that when you come home, you're present. You're you you're discussing your day, but you're also I guess, engage in what your spouse is up to. You know, if they tell you a story asking why, if uh, they had a tough day, understanding that they had a tough day, and hopefully that person doesn't like act, you know, take it out on you, and they'll still help, you know, help you clean the kitchen and cook the food and put the kids to bed and all that. Here, it's a little bit easier. We don't have kids, and we work together. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Every day. But luckily at night, we just do our own thing a lot because, you know, she'll do yoga and I'll do, I'll go walk around or, or, you know, do some advertising or write a book, you know, different things like that. But I think, I think the biggest piece is finding out what works for you guys. Maybe it's breakfast, you know, in the morning, having a cup of coffee together or, you know, Sunday, finding time on a Sunday to take care of, you know, each other's needs in that way. Also knowing each other's love language. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. She just finished reading. We actually read it together. So we read a book together. That's something. We read the five love languages and we definitely know, uh, which ones those are for each other. And if you haven't read it, I would, I would recommend it. It was really good. Like you really, sometimes, uh, when you read the books and you were, it will remind you that, okay, that's a mistake you made before. And, uh, they give you different examples about like, uh, how they, got advice from uh, this book and how they improved how they changed their like life better it, it was really worthy that was a great it was a great read together uh, that's that's one thing i would highly recommend for everybody just having a book that you can read together i don't you know it doesn't really matter what it is i mean it could be anything from uh fiction non-fiction marketing i mean whatever you want but doing it together and that way you have something to talk about maybe once a week you just say okay we're gonna finish this chapter and we'll talk about it whenever your family meeting is, if you have a family meeting. And just way, that way you can stay connected. You know, we, I like to say that we hike together, but we don't really, we walk around town together. Mm-hmm. We spend time with, like, you know, exercising that way. Uh, we'll go watch movies, which it's not really quality time because you're not talking to each other, but. Um, but we do like sometimes go out to eat together and then we talk. Uh, yeah. Like date night. Spent, spent like a quality time together. Yeah. We try to do a date night at least once a week, an official date night. And I think that helps us to stay connected, talk about things. It doesn't have to be like business oriented. Here's the issues. Rah. Because if it's always about negative things, like good grief, like you're not going to want to do them anymore. Also, you can talk about something about future. Also, you can talk about something like uh, when you just met and some sweet moments, those type of things. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. What can you do to keep the love alive and feel connected? I think a lot of... A lot of things we just talked about. I do think it's important also probably to take trips together. I think that's important. Travel. Travel. It doesn't have to be far. Like you could really you just go to a museum together. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's all your budget allows. Or you can do a three-day weekend somewhere. It's low nearby. Mm-hmm. Or some barbecues. Clean, uh, a picnic somewhere. Uh, or picnic picnic somewhere. Like maybe just go somewhere and have a picnic under the sunshine. Talk about it. And I think too maybe remember when you were dating. Especially if you're like a college sweetheart or something. Did you like playing volleyball? 
Did you like going and watch football games? I mean, if you're in the South, you may not be able to afford to go see LSU, but you could probably go to the high school game, you know, especially Thai, Texas. Yeah, like I try to, uh, try to do things together. And uh, also, actually, um, mm-hmm. like couples together, they just like a kids together, not to uh, always be strict or always think, oh, we already done this so many times. But every time you do uh, maybe the same thing, but you will have a different experience, different feeling. Okay, so do you have a morning or a lunch routine that grants you or excites you for the rest of the day? I gotta be honest, I don't really do morning routines. The main, the two routines that I have, I don't wake up in time. I'm always kind of running behind. I wish we could just work at like nine. That way I can just sleep in a little more, but I guess the world doesn't work the way I want it to sometimes. Haha. <laughs> but kiss the wife, then Boil some water for the coffee. I use a, an AeroPress, you know, so you got to plunge it down. It's kind of like a French press, except with all that nasty uh, in the bottom. I don't like it. So I boil the water, you know, then you just do, get, get ready for your day. Make the coffee. Uh, either she's making breakfast or I'll make breakfast and help out. Uh, we kind of do more of a tag team for lunch and dinner. Breakfast, mm-hmm. she's kind of, she's a morning person. She'll go out and run 5 o'clock in the morning. And Three so, miles. Oh, yoga one hour and uh, fix some nice uh, breakfast because I really enjoy uh, eating breakfast and uh, the balanced breakfast and put different things and make it nice so we could like uh, sit She'll down. She'll cut like four different fruits. Yeah. It's like a third of the, the apples even used, but so <laughs> it's not much of the fruit, but you have like five different varieties, which is kind of nice. It's like a buffet. It's like when you're going to a hotel and you eat like a free buffet, the breakfast, it's like that. I put everything in a plate. so. But limited quantities. <laughs> you only get to go up once. <laughs> That's the point. Like you don't need one thing too much. Like you, you need like different things and balanced. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, and then I will always, I usually do my Instagram post for the day in the morning. So while I'm eating breakfast, I'm plunging my coffee and... Uh, Posting my daily Instagram. Lunch uh, definitely is more of a, we cook, we chop, we make a nice big lunch. Lunch is our biggest meal. So it's our heartiest meal. It's our biggest meal. After that, work on the podcast, work on uh, giveaways uh, for uh, for leads on, in, in the book or, or for the podcast. And then uh, maybe do some, some advertising, maybe read a little bit, take a nap. Our lunches are long. <laughs> and uh, Almost two hours. Three hours. Uh, three hours. Ridiculous. Ridiculous <laughs> lunch. So we, we get a lot done during the lunch and we always try to make, make time for a short nap. That's, I mean, that's really, that's, that's my day. That's my lunch routine. I got more of a lunch routine than a breakfast routine. What's your favorite, uh, books or podcasts, things like that? One of the books that really shaped me was called Strength Finder. The reason is because it, it gave you like a test and then it had like 30 something qualities and then it gives you like your top five. And instead of focusing on your, your weaknesses, it says, hey, focus on your strengths. And we've already helped you figure out what your strengths are, so just develop those. And like so many books at the time when it came out were always like, what's your weak at? Make it your best thing ever. Put all your effort behind it. And I just like the idea of like, no, this is what you're good at. Focus on that because you can outsource everything else, whether it's online or you can hire somebody to do the things that you're not good at. So just focus on what you're great at, especially like if you're going to be a CEO. Focus on big picture. Focus on what you're good at. Anyway, it's beating a dead horse at that point. But I really like that book. I mentioned several books throughout. You know, they'll be in the show notes at a doctorsperspective.net slash 2525. 
So check that out. And as far as podcasts, boy, you know, I listen to some chiropractic ones. I've got a couple of market ones, Noah Kagan. Um, Tim Ferriss uh, is a good one. Stuff You Should Know. Presidential is pretty fun if you like history. I never you get to learn about all the uh, different presidents throughout the course of America. So that's been really educational. Didn't know a lot of these things. Uh, there's a few other ones. I got a, a big I got a big list, to be honest. And I just I cycle through. Like just If I find an episode I like, I'll listen to it. But like I said, it ranges from marketing to random... Not really into like current events, but just maximizing your productivity, all those types of things. It's been it's been good. It's been real good. You can learn a lot. Like uh, one of the podcasts I learned was is is how to actually podcast. Though mm. so some of the tricks that I figured out was from listening to other people's podcasts. Like Daniel J. Lewis, like his podcast is really good if you want to um, learn how to be a podcaster. How about like like phone apps? Phone apps. I uh, you know do Instagram. I've got um, one called Blinkist. It's a book. It gives you a book a day or you can pay and you can read as many books as you want. But they pretty much summarize every chapter. So you can go through a book in like 10 minutes. It's kind of cool. Um, Snapseed. I really like that one for photo editing and kind of making memes. Which other one do I find myself reading? Pocket. If you got all these articles, whether you're, you're, like, you're scrolling through Twitter and Facebook, you're like, oh, I want to read this. Oh, I want to read that. And you're like, but I don't have time right now. Well, you just click it, boop, boop, boop. And it goes into this one app called Pocket. And you can um, use it later and then i use buffer to do a lot of my uh social media that way you can just schedule out like most of the time with the podcast i'll do quotes from what they said like maybe four or five and then i'll just go on buffer and then schedule it out one day so that it comes out every day for the rest of the week so there's a little bit of exposure for that person each week all right sounds good all any final remarks yeah no more remarks for me ladies and gentlemen i just want to say thank you so much uh for for listening this long i hope you got some good nuggets out of it. You got to experience uh, me. You got to experience my wife. A doctorsperspective.net slash two five. As always, stay tuned for the travel tip at the end. You just got hashtag behind the curtain with Dr. Justin Trosclair, the host. And thank you, JJ, for uh, staying up late. <laughs> staying up late and for doing it Facebook Live. I know you were nervous. <laughs> And I appreciate I appreciate you so much. I do like especially when it's getting late and and English is my second. I kind of have to think and uh, I will do better next time if I have the chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all have a good, good night. night. If you head over to the website, the top right is all the social media flavors. Pick what you like. Friend us. Of course, active on Instagram and Facebook the most. And trying to do more live videos, trying to keep everything fresh. The pictures of my travels are typically on both of those. Big rush on Facebook, slow drip on Instagram, of course. If you want to leave a comment, definitely do that. It helps us to know how to improve the podcast so that you guys like it better. And of course, if you leave a review on iTunes or your Android app, that's very appreciative. If you want, screenshot it, boom, throw it up on Facebook, tag me, and I'll give you a shout out. Travel tip. I love to eat local food. And one of the ways that I do that is I ask my hotel concierge or the front desk or honestly, if I'm walking around and find somebody local, I'm like, hey, where do you and your friends like to go after work? Especially if you're a place that has lots of variety, you know, I'm okay with taking a cab or Uber or whatever to get to a place that they really like to go to because that means it's more authentic to the area. And if a lot of people are going, that's where I want to be. I don't really want to be at the tourist spot, right? Give me some more genuine flavors. That's it for this week. We just went hashtag 
Behind the Curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on adoptorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.